four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. Yes! Bearcat Blitz Thursday show coming your way right now. Well, weekend show, I should say, on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Russ Seltman. He's your other host of the show, Neil Meyer. We are on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review there. You can catch us on Talking Cats with Russ Seltman, the YouTube page as well. And as always, we are airing multiple times every weekend on Valley Sports Ohio. Big thanks to our friends over at Valley's for that partnership. Let's get into the show. Another transfer edition for the football program. The Texas heartbreaking loss in the final 20 seconds with the Longhorns taking the lead then and a trip to Baylor up next. No time to really lick the wounds for Cincinnati in what is the toughest conference in America and had some upsets all over the place on uh, on Wednesday night. So that just goes to show anybody can lose in the dog park that is the Big 12. With NFL playoffs right around the corner, though, we have a great message from our friends at Bet Online. The NBA season is in full swing as well, and Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-second odds, news, and scores with additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile. You can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Neil, Tyron Smith, speedy, small, wide receiver, probably going to be a slot option for the Bearcats. He commits earlier this week, Cincinnati up to 15 transfer portal additions. And according to the scholarship tracker at Bearcat Bunch, they're going to have to boot somebody out of the program if they want to add anybody else to this roster because they are fully chocked up on the 85 scholarship allotment following the addition of Tyron Smith. Yeah, and it's a huge addition. Uh, obviously, a lot of people are going to question the size. Obviously, Tyron Smith is a smaller guy, at standing just five foot seven. But this is a guy who had a fantastic 2022 season, and that is a season where he caught 71 passes, 1,039 yards, and seven touchdowns. But was hampered by an injury there in the 2023 season that limited him to just 19 catches for 191 yards and a touchdown. But overall. This is a huge addition for Scott Satterfield and the Bearcats. Obviously, we have seen what they'd like to do in terms of getting those smaller, quick speedsters involved at the wide receiver position. And it's going to be very interesting to see how a guy like Tyron Smith plays alongside receivers like Barry Jackson, Aaron Turner, and the others there in that wide receiver room. So I think it's going to be a great addition, but it's an addition that is going to gauge a lot of interest because if you look down at the metrics following – Smith's 2022 season, you look down at some of those names in that list that was mentioned in that tweet online, Russ, I'm not sure if you saw that or not. You look alongside, you see Jackson Smith and Jigba, Emeka Ubeka from Ohio State, a lot of other upcoming talented wide receivers who are probably going to be first round picks this year. Rasheed Rice was on that list. Tank Dell was on that list. And those are two names the Bearcats are very familiar with due to their times in the AAC. But overall, anytime you can add a caliber receiver who is mentioned on that list that is alongside many NFL draft picks and current NFL players is a huge addition. And I think it is going to be a very exciting one for Scott Satterfield and the Bearcats. 
No doubt. When we look at that wide receiver room right now, it's it's full, man. Evan Prater, Aaron Turner, Xavier Henderson, Tyron Smith, Tony Johnson, Sterling Burkhalter are your upperclassmen. And then freshman ranks looking like Barry Jackson Jr. has obviously went through his retro campaign in 2022. Dakari Jackson, Elijah Jones, and Kale Woodburn as well. Those last two uh, bringing up the rear in terms of true freshmen entering this season. When we look at that wide receiver room, Neil, before we kind of look at the overall rankings of Cincinnati in the national context of things, I think this is a big, big kind of trend in the right direction, thumbs up for the stock of Evan Prater. The fact that they haven't brought in any real true outside X wide receiver competition for Prater, I think is a, a, a telling sign. I think he's going to have a chance to battle with Barry Jackson, a chance to battle with uh, with Sterling Burkhalter for that X wide receiver spot. And then maybe Tony Johnson mix in the, mixes in there as well. But I expect more of Tyron Smith, Tony Johnson, and Aaron Turner, as you mentioned there, that name before as well, to be the slot guys. And then Xavier Henderson as well, being the lead Z number one wide receiver with maybe a mixture of names filling in for him for spot duty on the outside whenever he needs a breather. But they pretty much have their wide receiver core all put together. It's not the world's biggest wide receiver core, Neil, but it's a wide receiver core that I think is fast, is dynamic, and could maybe offer them some different looks in terms of wide receiver passes, wide receiver screens, wide receiver end arounds, just different ability for guys to use that speed and get downhill uh, up the field pretty fast. It's an interesting wide receiver room and one that I think has the coaching staff pretty high on Evan Prater, considering so far they have not brought on brought in any other true kind of bona fide. This guy is going to be your ex receiver opposite Xavier Henderson competition for Evan Prater. Yeah, absolutely. And that's huge because Evan Prater possesses great size, six foot three, 220 pounds there on the outside. And everybody knows from following Evan Prater throughout his time at Wyoming high school and throughout his journey as a Cincinnati Bearcat, he is a true athlete. When he gets open in space, it's it's electrifying, and everybody knows that. But for them not to bring in a wide receiver at that position this offseason shows the true potential and what they are capable of Evan Prater being able to do at that position. We saw flashes of it last season with a couple catches here and there. He was still trying to find his feet wet, but once he got going towards the end of the season, you can kind of see he was starting to get in and out of his breaks a little bit cleaner. A lot, everything was going a lot smoothly, but he was also a guy, Russ, that was getting a lot more reps than people expected last season at that wide receiver position. Obviously, he played the quarterback position for three years, suffers the shoulder injury where they say, hey, you either get operated on or you you make this transition. And Evan being Evan, everyone who knows him, made the transition so seamlessly to the wide receiver position just because he wanted to be out there and support his team and do whatever he can to help them. But that, that's huge heading into this 2023 or 2024 season. And I, I'm excited for it, Russ. I really am. And I'm very, very curious to see how this spring ball plays out now that Evan Prater has a full year under his belt at the wide receiver position. And I truly do expect we see a different Evan Prater at that wide receiver position from year one in 2023 to year two here in 2024. You'd think because like the guy last year was solid at the position in his first mm-hmm. year. He had really no off season to go through to kind of transition. He did it late in the summer. Didn't do it in the spring ball period. I mean, he was in the thick of the quarterback race when you and I were on the sidelines for spring ball, Neil, trying to fight through that shoulder injury. So you go through a year of speed training, a year of weightlifting to be a wide receiver. You have that size you mentioned. We talked about the athleticism. 
this truly feels like the staff is giving him the opportunity saying, hey, we like what you've done, the way you've approached things, the way that you've attacked this position, the way that you didn't cry and moan and make a big, big fuss about having to transition positions. Because of that, we're going to give you this opportunity, especially in spring ball, where they might, maybe they'll make this conversation moot and they add a, a wide receiver and boot somebody else on scholarship to the wayside and ultimately kind of lessen the impact Evan Prater might be able to have. But I think they're going to give him this spring ball period to try it out, try things out, see how he looks, see how he's developed. And then maybe if you have to bring in some competition, you don't feel as sound about Evan Prater being your top X receiver going into the summer. You can make an addition after the spring semester has wrapped up in the college ranks. But Bearcat Bunch, want to tell our audience, please go check that out. It's a really great kind of up-to-the-date look at what the scholarships are looking like for football and basketball. Football especially, tough to uh, tough to keep tabs on throughout, uh, throughout the transfer portal flurry as Cincinnati, Neil. Winding down this conversation here, they have 15 transfers currently committed, locked in, and they're ranked 26th nationally among all transfer portal halls so far. I think that's pretty much just what fans should expect. That's, I don't think that's much lower. Maybe you'd like to see them in the, in the top 25 for sure. That's what this team, this program has come to kind of hang its hat on as wants to be a top 25 program nationally, especially being in the power five, but first true full-time allotted transfer portal cycle for Scott Satterfield. I think as we kind of wind it down here, maybe one or two more portal positions, but overall, when you look at the scope of the 15 guys, especially when you think about Brendan Soresby and a late push being made for him from other prominent Power 5 schools and the fact that this guy, Tyron Smith, was a Texas A&M Aggie at one point last year before going back to um, going, UTSA. Yeah, going back to U, U, or Utah, Utah. Going back to Utah. Utah. So I think 26 nationally is a good haul for Cincinnati. It's kind of not too cold, not too hot for a uh, – for for a little for a little what, what am I looking for? Little Red Riding Hood or the the Three Bears? One of those uh, one of those bedtime stories. Not too hot, not too cold, just right for UC. Okay. I think at number twenty six nationally in a group that should be able to impact a path to six wins, which is the goal in twenty twenty four. Yeah, absolutely, and obviously a big transfer class. Scott Satterfield mentioned there at the end of the season they're looking for about that eight to twelve range. They go a little above that get 15 and highlighted by Brendan Sorsby. And there's a lot of quality players that have transferred to the university of Cincinnati this off season. It's been an interesting and a fun time over the last few weeks, but it's go time. Now they're back doing some weightlifting conditioning off season workouts are starting. And as you mentioned, people are kind of expecting them to be in the top 25 nationally following the college football playoff run. That's been the standard. Everyone has been, Oh, we got to get back to being a top 25 team. They were a top 25 team during the end of Luke Fickle's era. But overall, you got to think about it, Russ. Scott Satterfield comes in with a full offseason to get his guys in the transfer portal. He's not jumping the gun, not building a staff late into this period. He now has a full go around because this time last year, Bearcats fans might not remember the staff wasn't even completely built yet. So they have, they're still building their staff. They're late to the guys in the portal. And they had to go out and just grab about who, whatever they could to really build that roster following the mass exodus, following the Luke Fickle news to Wisconsin. So overall they have the foundation in place and that has been a huge thing. And we have seen it on social media from guys like Dante Corleone, Gavin Gerhardt, Luke Kandra, 
And we're talking about big additions. Now have another big addition as well as Tyron Smith to Joe Royer back at the tight end position as well. So we can hit on that. And man, that's an exciting, an exciting transfer addition right there for Scott Satterfield and the Bearcats, a former four-star recruit, top 250 player in the country. So he's doing the right thing. He's getting the right players. So Bearcats fans, there's a lot to be excited for come 2024. Yep. We'll set to see if they can coach him up. Biggest thing to see over the next few months is there were no staff changes for Scott Satterfield. He's loving his guys, kicking his guys from year one that went three and nine. He's believing in them, keeping that faith. And as you mentioned, Joe Royer coming down, former elder player, local guy, has not doesn't have a lot of highlights, doesn't have a lot of film to look at because he's gone through so many injuries at Ohio State, but has the pedigree from high school, was one of the highest recruited tight ends in the country back in, what, 2020, 2021, but he's a Bearcat now. Yeah. Neil Meyer, Russ Elman, Bearcat Blitz, we'll be back to discuss the Texas heartbreak after this on the Believe Network. Texas takes out the Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball team just when they were starting to ride high. The Big 12 brings them crashing back down in a 74-73 defeat against Texas. Right when you think they have the top score issue figured out, Neil, Dylan Disu comes in and says, I'm the true top scorer on this Texas team. I'm the true top player on this team. I'm one of the best players in the entire country when healthy, and he proved that on Tuesday night. With 33 points, I believe that is, if not the season high, the second most points allowed to an individual score by a Cincinnati team so far this season. Max Aismith, 15 points as well. You get 48 of the 74 points from those two players. Aismith hits the go-ahead bucket from the baseline, rattles it off the rim, and uh, and moves past a questionable no-travel call in that scenario to push Texas over Cincinnati, 74-73 in a game where Wes Miller, Neil, didn't want to blame the free throw shooting and didn't want to say that's a reason why the team lost the game. I feel like he's saying that mostly just about the final free throw, the one that John Newman lost, because, Neil, this team and this program has been outside, like we've mentioned on this show, the top 240 nationally in free throw shooting every single year, and it's going to bite them more often than not this year. If they don't get that turned around, it was on display Tuesday night. If they go 75% from the free throw line, they win the basketball game a loss. They go 8 for 15 from the line. They do not get their gimmies to go in at home. And in a conference, a league that is going to have, I would say, probably six, seven, maybe eight more games for the Bearcats decided by five points or less, you have to figure out a way to consistently hit your free throws. And I'm throwing up my hands now, Neil, as, as I throw, throw it to you, because I think that's what Wes Miller and his staff are doing. They practice the free throws. It's not like they don't know it's an issue. It's not like they're blind to it. It's just not going in at a high enough rate. Yeah, and obviously the free throws was an issue versus the Texas Longhorns on Tuesday night. As you mentioned, 8 for 15. But another key stat that not many people are really honing in on and looking in at 15 turnovers that Texas turned into 22 points. Even if you cut those turnovers down three or four, it, it might be a different outcome there. So, or you find ways to get some stops after it, but that's another huge stat to take a look at because as Wes Miller mentioned, following the game, free throws wasn't just the main reason they lost that game. And Wes Miller 
made a huge emphasis on those turnovers because versus teams in the Big 12, Russ, we know how talented this conference is. It's the best basketball conference in America. But any night you give up 15 turnovers versus a Big 12 opponent, they'll make you pay on the other end, and that's what Texas did. And Max Abemis came down in a very questionable travel call that was missed at the end. But in the end, you got to play on. And they had the opportunity there to kind of get the shot they wanted. And Wes Miller even alluded to the fact after the game was, hey, did you take that time out or you play to your team's strengths in that situation? And for many Bearcats fans who have watched this team, everybody knows what the strength is. And that is letting the boys get out and run and play in that fast paced offense. And they had a good opportunity. Texas did a good, had a good defense there at the half court to allow the break. But Seamus si- Lukosha still had a great look at, at the rim. Dylan Dice, who just contested at the last minute and was able to kind of alter that shot a little bit. That was just, just short, but overall, there's still a lot of positives to take away from Texas. Uh, despite the loss for many reasons, Seamus Lukosius, I thought was fantastic. As Wes Miller mentioned, Russ, truly special what he did versus Texas. Cause I know we've talked about it when the Bearcats needed a bucket the most, who, who was there for the Bearcats, Seamus Lukosius willed them down the stretch. And it was, it was electrifying to see just because of everything he has had to overcome over the last few months. Simas was awesome, man. I think he went, what, 7 to 10 from the field. He was fantastic in this one. Really took the go-to number one offensive option down the stretch of the game mantle and ran with it. 7 of 10, 3 for 6 from outside. He had four assists as well. He was a straight zero plus minus, so was kind of just keeping things steady throughout the entire ball game. And as you mentioned, the turnovers are the next thing I was going to talk about. This team in the last five games, 18, 9, 11, 19, 14 turnovers. 14 plus turnovers in both of the opening Big 12 contests. It's just going to be very difficult, very difficult to consistently win games in this conference. Like you mentioned, if you're turning the ball over and you're not playing lockdown transition defense on the other end, like they were against BYU, a BYU team, Neil, that I would say is a little slower, not as kind of athletic as that Texas team we saw on Tuesday night. It's a BYU team that is also new to the conference and they're not used to having the type of athletes and recruiting at the type of level that most of these entrenched big 12 teams have been doing for years. So they take it on the chin. The Cougars do. They're all, they're Owen two in conference. They got beat by nine points by UC's next opponent, which West Miller called BYU, the number one shooting team in the country. Neil, this Baylor team, Probably taking qualms with that statement because they are unbelievably strong offensively. We'll get to that in just a moment. But kind of tying up a bow on the Texas game, shout out to the fans, man. Shout out to the fans. It was the best home environment I've been to as a reporter covering this team easily. I mean, I got chills multiple times. I had internal monologue multiple times thinking, like, this is why I do this. This is why I do this for moments like these, for games like these. You had the you had the student section fan shug the skyline chili, throw the horns down uh, after he chugged it. We had a kid hit a half court shot for free Chick Fil A for a year. I mean, it had everything. everything like happened, happened, man. Was, That's what you crazy. want in the Big Twelve opener. That's what you yeah, want. It was, and the stripe out was great. Everybody looked good in the stripe out. That was good. But shout out to all the fans for how they performed and how they brought it. And then one more thing, Neil, that I think we need to note here is. The health of Aziz Bandago. We didn't really, nobody asked uh, Wes Miller about it after the game, but you could clearly tell 
in the first half on one of those lobs, another lob, which these in my eyes are just becoming too much risk for what they're rewarding out there. Like Aziz has now, he, he got hurt initially on the lob against Dayton. You could see he tweaked his back and started grabbing at it after that second lob, which he got a, got a foul on that one as well. And I just, I'm not a huge fan of these lobs. I don't think they ultimately bring the amount of impact offensively that they should considering how much harm you're putting Aziz Bandego in. You're just, you're throwing up a, a lob to a guy, a seven footer over seven feet tall. He's getting up that high. He's usually in traffic when he's going to do it. And it's leading to these kind of weird wonky falls. And I know that that's a part of his offensive game and you don't want to restrict it, but man, you could tell that that definitely affected him. And he was bad in this game following that point. I mean, not the usual impact we see from Aziz Bandego. His first over performance as a Bearcat and just three or five rebounds overall. Two assists was solid, but not, not not necessarily the impact you're used to seeing from Aziz Bandego. And I think the injury had a clear, clear effect. Yeah, and that's a huge thing that you uh, are bringing up because without the health of Aziz Bandego, he had zero points. And during Big 12 play, you're going to need some points from Aziz Bandego. And yeah. you can kind of see him grabbing the back early on, but he was he was taking some contact, to say the least. And the officials were letting him just about everything play down there. And it's the Big 12. They know it's going to be physical and whatnot, but they're going to have to have a healthy Aziz Bandego moving forward. And it's definitely a situation to monitor because we know how serious the back injury was that he suffered versus Dayton. I mean, they held him out for three weeks, roughly. So you get him back for two games and then – he gets kind of dinged up again. So it's something we're going to have to follow back in on, but it's definitely something worth monitoring going forward for the Bearcats. Quick player to watch and a score prediction for Baylor coming up on Bearcat Blitz. <laughs> Baylor coming into this game against Cincinnati as they will be home favorites, 78.4% matchup predictor favorites at the brand new Foster Pavilion, a nice, nice kind of shrunk down venue in college basketball. They entered this game number 12 in the net, number 14 in Ken Palm and number 14 in the AP poll. Neil, top guy to watch for Cincinnati in this game is the freshman, the phenom, Jacoby Walter, one of the few freshmen currently on the top 25 Wooden Award watch list, 15.3 points, 4.2 rebounds, 1.5 assists, was a top 10 recruit in the class of 2023 at six foot five, 195 pounds, and my, oh my, can this sucker fill it up. 28.7 minutes per game on average. He's shooting 40% from three on 5.7 attempts per game. Also adding 4.2 rebounds. He is just all over the floor, impacting things very well. And he's going to be a big reason why I don't see the Bearcats striking gold once again on the road in the Big 12. 83-80 win, or excuse me, 83-73 win for the Baylor Bears over Jacoby Walter. For Jacoby Walter and the Baylor Bears over Cincinnati. One player to watch for you as we get out of here. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the guard play. Everyone knows how good the guards are in the Big 12. I'm going to go with the Toledo transfer, Ray J. Dennis, who is averaging 13 points a game, and he's an electrifying shooter. He's a guy that really complements Jacoby Walter very well. They can pour it on there, and we have seen it. Ray J. Dennis is definitely going to give the Bearcats some troubles. We saw it with Max Abemis the other night. As Max Davis came down, slow first half, but poured it on in the second. 
And I expect Ray J. Dennis to be an impact player for the Baylor Bears come Saturday night down there in Waco, Texas. And my prediction, I'm going to go with 83-78 to 78 in favor of the Baylor Bears. For Neil Meyer, I'm Russ Heltman. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network, presented by Bet Online. This is the second. 15 seconds left. Shot clock off. Four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. Yeah!